Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. And in today's episode, I got to tell you, I'm really excited to be talking with our guest. Uh, his name is John Corcoran. Some of you probably know him and have uh, heard of him. Some of you may even follow his podcast. Um, if you don't, you should um, over at Smart Business Revolution. And um, I've known John, gosh, John, how, how long have we known each other? Four or five years now? Something like that. Something yeah, like absolutely. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so if you don't know John, um, he's got quite a background. He uh, He's an attorney. Uh, he's a writer. Um, he is a father now of uh, two, three. Three. I'm catching up to you. I can't keep up. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and he's a, a former speechwriter for uh, President Clinton. Um, and, and for the governor of California. So John's got this really interesting background, but the thing that is, I think most interesting about what John has figured out is he's figured out how to make real connections with people, not fake connections, just cause you want to get something, but real deep connections with lots of people. And, um, and he does a really good job of teaching other business owners how to do that. And I hope we'll talk about some of that today. Um, and so uh, he publishes at smartbusinessrevolution.com. Um, he's created a, a new group called Rise 25 um, with Dr. Jeremy Wise, uh, who we, we've interviewed for the podcast. So I'm just really excited to have you here, John. Welcome to The Unstoppable CEO. Steve, I've, I've been such a fan of yours for a while. It's an honor to be on your podcast. I'm really uh, enjoying it. Yeah, we're going to have a good time today. So... Before we dive in, give everybody a little background and context. I know I, I gave them a little bit, but uh, sure. how did you, you know, I know you've been running your own business for a while. How'd you get to where you are right now? Sure. About five years now. Uh, coming up on, wait, coming up on six years running my own business. Yeah. I have this weird roundabout story. I mean, first, just to understand who I am, I guess um, I can explain that I hit six different schools before I got to high school because I had... A father had been laid off. He worked in the TV news industry, and um, it's a kind of a fickle business. And every time he got a new job because a new news director came in, we had to pack up our things and go to another city. And so I was used to being in new communities, new schools, which sucks, right? <laughs> Elementary school, you can imagine showing up in the middle of, of a, a new class. And um, it, it led to, I think, an adaptability, um, which made me a little bit more comfortable with moving between different industries and also taught me the importance of building relationships. It's all about relationships and um, gave me some amazing opportunities in my career. As you mentioned, working in the Clinton White House, governor of California, I was an early employee of DreamWorks, worked in the heart of Silicon Valley. So I've been you know, in these different roles. And then eventually it morphed into Smart Business Revolution and Rise 25, which are my two homes on the web now. And I help people, other business owners to build better relationships in business. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, and, and you're very good at it. Um, and Thank you. Uh, I can see how, you know, that experience as a child probably prepared you perfectly for what you're doing right now. So, yes, you know, we, we run into, um, all kinds of obstacles in building businesses. You've been doing it now for you know five or six years. How what what experiences do you draw on, or what mindsets do you use to to push through when things get tough? Yeah, it's a great question because uh, that is um, such a critical factor, and oftentimes we minimize it. We don't realize the the importance of it. Um, how easily we can get derailed, and and um, you know um, I'm a big fan of the 
the thought thought leader, author, speaker, Peter Diamandes, and um, he's written a couple of books, Bold and and um, uh, forgetting the name of the other one, uh, Abundance, the second one, Abundance. Thank you. And he talks about the amygdala in our brain, which gets which which uh, you know which flares up when danger comes upon us. And the reason I mention that is because so often in business we sense danger, right? We're running out of cash or we need more clients and the amygdala flares up and, and it paralyzes us and it keeps us from acting. And what's critical is that we keep moving the ball forward and we keep doing the things that got us where, where we are today. So what I try and help other people to do is to remember the importance of those things and being consistent. And the people who are consistent in putting the ball, putting one foot in, in front of the other, um, you know, with, with building relationships or with doubling down on the things that really work in their business are the ones who tend to get ahead. And so we try and do that through smart business revolution through rise 25 now is helping people to be consistent with that stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I think you hit on really a key, um, you know, for me, the, the one kind of silver bullet, if there is a silver bullet, um, and nobody likes this answer because it's not an easy answer, but the, the one silver bullet is persistence. Um, you know, I know in my own background, I've been in some pretty dark places in business. Um, you know, coming through 2008, 2009 was not a fun experience. Um, yeah. Hopefully I won't have to do it again, but, um, but. Uh, so it was a dark yeah. time for so many people. I mean, yeah. at that time I was working for a law firm and we had, we did real estate work and it went from helping these large commercial property owners to invest and buy properties and everything. It went from helping people who were losing their homes. And I had just like a parade of people coming into my, uh, into our office, sitting down with people and strategizing and helping them, you know, and they were paranoid as understandably so about losing their home, their, their retirement. I mean, all kinds of things. And those types of ups and downs happen in business. And yeah, I was saying to someone yesterday, it's led, I have a, a real fondness for people who are suffering setbacks and that's when I want to reach out to people because people don't do that. They reach out to you when you are on highs. They don't reach out when you are on lows. And speaking as someone who's worked for a president who's been impeached and a governor who's been recalled, no, no <laughs> connection hopefully between the fact that I worked for both of those, but but, uh, you know, I suffered my own personal like dot com failures here. I live in Northern California. You know, everyone I know has worked for a dot com that went under at some point or everyone's worked for a company that's gone under their own business has gone under. You know, you suffer these setbacks and that just it, it just reinforces the incredible importance of the network around you, the people you surround your, yourself with and, and building those strong relationships, because those are the people who are going to help you land on your feet if you have some kind of setback, some kind of setback, big or small. Yeah, well, and, and the the natural tendency is when you're going through that, it's to kind of withdraw a little bit and not reach out to the people who care about you. Um, and and a lot of that can come from, you know, just being embarrassed about the situation that you're yeah. in. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of people go through that. And, um, and, and to your point of, you know, that's the time when if you see somebody you know and you care about going through something, I mean, whether it's personal or business, just to, you know, to extend that, that, uh, you know, opening for the them, branch, yeah. you know, to step into, um, can be really, really valuable. Um, and you know, I, I gotta tell you, um, going through those sorts of things, you really learn very quickly where your valuable relationships are because not everybody Absolutely. will do that, you know? 
Um, sometimes people will, you know, they'll, they'll kind of turn the other way and it's useful to know that too. Um, yep. I, I, I've kind of gotten this philosophy where all information is good information. I, I just want to know as much about my reality around me as, as I possibly can. So, yeah, um, you want to know who's got your back, who you can depend on. Right. You know, and so often, so often you see this where you, you know, just ask someone for like a small favor and they're like, oh, sorry, I can't help you. And it doesn't take that much effort. You know, I mean, it doesn't take that. It's not that hard. You know, I mean, like one of our um, clients right now is going to London and she said, hey, do you know anyone in London that that, you know, I could connect with? And it doesn't take that much time to reach out to some people, see, you know, or look through your database. Some people might just react and say, um, no, I can't think of anyone. You know, and other people will take the time, take a look and say, OK, is there someone that I know? Look at my LinkedIn connections, look at my Facebook connections, see, is there anyone that I do know? Can I put them in, in touch with that? And people remember that stuff. That kind of stuff makes a huge difference so that when it comes around and you need something, you know, that person is much more inclined to help you out with something. And the example I give frequently is, you know, it's the saddest thing in the world. You ever get one of these emails from someone just completely out of the blue, you haven't heard from them in years and like, hey, Steve, how you doing, man? It's been a while, how are you? So um, anyways, uh, so like I lost my job and um, just wondering if you, you've heard of anything and it's like part of you's kind of your heart goes out to them and the other part it's like, where you been, right? I mean, like you need something now and now, you know, you're reaching out to me, you know? And it doesn't make that person inclined to want to help because it's like, you know, you're you're just trying to get. You're just trying. And I have, I've had some people that have done this in successive years. It's like I literally don't hear from them for a couple of years. And then I get an email out of the blue and they've lost their job again, you know. And it's just not a good approach to life. It's not in your best interest. Yeah, you know, we, we were designed to be, you know, or designed as social creatures. You know, humans don't work well when they're kind of put off in isolation. And um, and and those connections that we have, I mean, to me, that is that that's the strength of the species. And if if we're aware of that, you know, especially in business, that's a huge asset to just be able to, to leverage those things. And I know some people go, well, I'm an introvert. You know, I'm not comfortable doing that. Um, I if you know, if anybody listening knew me as a kid, I am like the last person you would ever have thought of that would run a business because I was like this super shy kid, wouldn't, you know, really put myself out there. But, um, but you can, you can push past all that stuff and, and people are generally a whole lot friendlier than, than you think they are yeah. in your head, you know? And that's actually a great point. I mean, a lot of people ask me that question about introversion and according to public surveys, the, a majority of the population considers themselves an introvert anyway. So a lot of people are thinking the same way as, as you. Um, but people say, yeah, I, I'm a bit of an introvert. I don't like going to networking events. You know what? Guess what? Neither do I. Um, the, I don't like, you know, reaching out and being fake and all that kind of stuff. And what I say to people is you, you don't have to be fake and you don't have to go to events that you don't like going to. If you're going to events you don't like going to, it's probably a problem to begin with. You should probably be gearing yourself towards other types of events. But be sincere, be honest with people you know, be open. And some of the best people at relationship building, building a large network are really, really massive introverts. In fact, the great book Give and Take by Adam Grant, he profiles one of the, the people that he profiles in that book 
was selected by Fortune magazine in some like 2012, 2013, was selected as the world's greatest networker, connector, big, biggest network based on his LinkedIn connections and who he was connected with, all these like CEOs and all that kind of stuff. And the guy that they selected was a massive introvert, but he was really good at following up with people. So sometimes, you, you know, you see people, you're in a room full of people, you ever been in a room full of people, you know, a networking event or something, there's someone who's like larger than life, big personality, you know, and the introverts tend to shy away from that. They're like, oh, you know, that's not me. And they, they get a little intimidated by it. But the truth is a lot of times those people who are bombastic with big personalities are not good at following up. And I'll take someone who's good at following up over someone who's got some bombastic personality in person but never follows up any day of the week. Because that person who's good at following up, nurturing those relationships, maintaining those relationships, and deepening the relationships with the ones who matter. Because we meet a lot of people in our life, not all of them are gonna be valuable for our career or for our business. And so that doesn't mean that we need to deepen a relationship with every single freaking human being that we meet. We need to deepen our relationship with the ones who matter. And those who do that are the ones who are gonna get ahead. So how do you, how do you make that determination? How do you decide yeah. who's going to, who's got value and who doesn't? Um, and I mean, yeah. that, there's, there's a whole danger there in, you know, saying sure. this human has value and this one doesn't, but I, I don't think that's what yeah. we mean. No, How do people, you make the people, determination no, practically? Well, people struggle with that, that, yeah. uh, that entire idea. First of all, we're not talking about friendships. We're not talking about relationships. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about in business. And when it comes to business, let's be strategic. Okay. I'm not saying that you should go out and build relationships, business relationships with anyone in any field. That's a waste of time. That's stupid. You're going to, you're just going to, your business is going to fail. You're going to do that. You should be strategic about building relationships who are going to be valuable for your business full end stop. But secondly, what you should do is you have a clear goal in mind. You should be clear in what you want to do with your business. A lot of times people are working in a job or a business that they're not inspired by. They're not fired up by. So you need to figure out what direction do I want to go in, you know? And that's the most important point. And then based on that, you can determine, okay, what are the pawns that I want to be spending my time in? And when I, when I say that, I mean what organizations, what groups, what communities are going to be most valuable for you? Because what a lot of people do is they go around to like these networking events like Chamber of Commerce events and, you know, um, uh, maybe rotary or something like that, which is fine. Those are fine and everything. But as far as building relationships go, that's like a, finding a needle in a haystack, especially if what it is you do is a little bit obscure. So what is a better approach is to find the communities where your right type of person is concentrated and to go there. That's like finding a big pile of needles and just focusing on that. And that's a lot more effective approach. So when you start with that, then you're much more likely to be around the types of people who are going to be much more important for your career, much more valuable for your career. And then there's just a personal dynamic element. You know, who do you get along with? Who do you connect with? There have been plenty of people, I'm sure, in your career and mine who you just don't connect with. And even though you're like, you really want to connect with them, right? You're like, oh, this, this person would be great for my business. Yeah, I, I really wish we had a connection. But just for whatever reason, you don't have overlapping interests or whatever. And, and so that's fine. So then you focus on the people that you do have that connection with, and then you deepen the relationships with those people. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great way to look at it. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with more from John. And uh, I can't wait to hear what he's got going on in business. I know he's got a lot up his sleeve. Hang on. 
Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. All right, we're back with John Corker and John. Um, we're talking about how to uh, how to really build your network, but but uh, you've taken a kind of a, a unique approach to it, and in, in you know focusing on the people that um, that are going to be valuable to you, and, and kind of focusing your attention. Um, and I know you teach people how to do that, um, which I hope we'll, we'll get to. But I really want to hear from you. What's, you know, you, you've got a number of things going on, um, a number of businesses that you're involved in. What What's really got you most excited right now? What's driving your uh, your energy right now in business? Yeah, so it, this is a bit of an evolution, which I think happens to everyone. But I, I realized over the last few years of talking with other professional services entrepreneurs like me, people who are, you know, trading hours for dollars. I'm talking about consultants, coaches, lawyers like me, you know, uh, thought leaders, writer, speakers, that kind of thing, financial advisors. I realized that there was this real pain point around trading hours for dollars and wanting to scale up and create something that was larger than them. And that, you know, they wouldn't have to be at the office in front of the desk in order to be making money. And it doesn't it isn't dependent on their time or they don't have to be on the road if they travel, you know, doing uh, consulting gigs all over the place. And so, you know, with my business partner, Jeremy, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, we um, started doing live events together a couple of years ago uh, around this idea. And that's what's been really exciting for me. Um, has been serving other people who are like me because not that long ago, three or four years ago, I was that person. I was, you know, uh, practicing law. And what was really hard about that is that I saw my future 20 years ahead and I saw other lawyers who were 20 years ahead of me and they were, every month was a blank slate. And every month was, I got crap, I gotta go out and get new clients and hustle, hustle, hustle in order to get business in the door. And so what's exciting for me over the last recent years have been helping more professional services people who feel stuck in that hours for dollars trap to develop something that's more of like a fully fleshed out business that has different offerings and that allows them to scale and to serve a larger group of people in a one to many fashion because so many people struggle with that. Like they can, they can envision, they know what they're doing right now. They can roll up their sleeves. They can do done for you. They can help one client at a time. But as soon as it becomes two or three or four clients helping them at once, it's like, whoa, wait a second. What do I do? I can't, I can't do graphic design for four people at once. What can I do? And that's what we help people through. So that's what's most exciting for me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You, you talk about, you know, the experience as an attorney and, I have to tell you from the outside, you know, being in one of the other professions, you know, and kind of coming up in, in uh, a different profession, um, the perception was always that the doctors and the attorneys didn't have to really do anything. That was sort of like a golden ticket. And I'm being serious. I mean, the, the, there is I wish that it was true. perception. <laughs> now, since then, I've worked with a number of attorneys and a number of doctors and they are, you know, they have to scramble to get uh, new business and, and, 
you know, a lot of us don't realize that, but um, I thank you for sharing that because I think for a lot of people who aren't in one of those fields, they think, oh, if I, you know, this must be so easy over there, but it's not, it's the same struggle for everybody, you know? Yeah, and, right. uh, and, and I think that's important to know. Yeah. So, and you know, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So the, um, I liken it, I liken what I did as practicing law and, and others who are, who are charging by the hour, or even charging by the product, but serving one client at a time and a done for you type of solution. And I, I liken it to like the kid next door, you pay to mow your lawn. You know, that kid, if he's mowing one lawn, he can't be mowing another lawn and he can't be going out and getting new clients to mow their lawns. He can only charge so much per hour because there's only so much the market will bear. And, um, you know, he can only if he wants to make more money, he's got to mow more lawns in a week. And there's only so many lawns he can mow in a week. Right. And that's really what, you know, trading hours for dollars is. And then the other problem that you identified with the problem that lawyers have and consultants, high dollar consultants and, and things like that, is that you're selling essentially a, I call it the big bag of money problem. You are selling something that's very expensive. And when a new person meets you and never bought anything from you before, they're immediately thinking, will this work? Is, does this guy or girl, is she going to be able to help me? Is he going to be help, help me? I'm not so sure. I just met this person before. You know, I'm not, I'm not so sure. And that's why it's so hard to get people to say yes, right? Because they've never said yes to something smaller. So one of the things that we help people with is to create what we call the minimum viable offering, which is a much less expensive, discreet offering that gets people into your universe. It's kind of a no brainer for people to say yes to that. And then once they get into the universe, then they can feel you out. They can get a result from you. They can get a positive result and they can say, okay, I feel more comfortable. I trust this person more in saying yes. And that was, you know, as you said, with doctors and lawyers, the problem is, is that it's very expensive. You know, it's a very expensive offering. And it's hard to get people to say yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, when I, I look at, at trying to extract yourself out, if you're the professional delivering the service the there are ways you can extract yourself out but you've got to start dividing up what's delivered so you know you've got the intellectual property piece of it in other words your thinking and your ideas that you bring to the table and then you've got process which is maybe the unique way that that you deliver that and everybody it's funny because um you know in, in my earlier career, I was a president of the state, you know, professional association for the industry. And, and so I was around a lot of the other professionals and every professional in that association. I mean, they were licensed by the state and, you know, every one of them thought that they were doing it the right way and that everybody else had something wrong with the way that they were practicing the profession, you know, to varying degrees, right? We, you know, you get into that debate when you got regulated professions and, um, and, and, so what that told me was that everybody has their way of doing it. And so you have your way of doing it. And that's attractive to some people if you're conscious about it. Um, and then you have the actual doing of it. And what a lot of professionals don't realize is you can separate all three of those things out and you can sell them all. You can sell them in series. You can sell them, you know, as parts. But if you begin to think about it like that, I think you start to see the opportunities to begin to move away from hours for dollars. And it's having been through this now in two different businesses, two totally different industries. And the first one, I got to the point where I could go on vacation for a couple of weeks and the place ran great without me. You know, and I came back and I didn't have a pile of work to do, you know, because it, we had a process in place and I had other licensed people that oversaw the work and all of that. So, I mean, you can create that kind of environment. Now having, you know, started a new business, um, you know, and kind of bootstrapped that up from the bottom. I got caught in the trap of like, like a lot of professionals do where, 
you've got the knowledge and you've got the process and, and you've only got the only pair of hands doing it. And so I, I think yeah. it's helpful to start splitting that out and, and looking at the problem that way. Yeah. And it is so critical what you said to extract yourself out from the business. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, guilty as charged here. Like uh, there's many ways in which my business now depends on me. Um, I mean, I think it's always a journey. You know, if you, if you enjoy what you're doing, then it's, it's a journey towards extracting yourself and then you inject yourself in something and then you need to extract yourself in something. It's, it's constantly doing that. You systematize things, you try and extract yourself out of it. Um, but it's critical because I mean, you get sick, a family member gets sick, you get busy with something else, you have to go on vacation, uh, even like stepping out for a couple of days to do professional development, taking time away from your business. Um, you know, there was a time a number of years ago where I couldn't do any of those things. You know, it was the business would have completely collapsed. In fact, actually, I've got an old legal client that I was talking to recently uh, who had a business that was way dependent on him, was doing eight figures in revenue, had over a dozen people working for him and just got sick recently in the fall, recovered, fortunately, but had to lay off the entire staff had to just lay it off, just decimated the business. He was out for like six to eight weeks, wow. six to eight weeks and just completely obliterated the business, right? Imagine having an eight figure business that crumbles like that. And that's horrible, you know, from the outside, you're looking at someone like that and you think, wow, they're doing great. But the truth is, is that until you extract yourself from that business, then that you're always going to be vulnerable to that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I don't think, in professional services, we don't pay enough attention to that. We sort of take for granted that you'll, you'll always be able to be there. Or maybe we go get a partner, you know, and we think, well, if there's two partners or three partners that, that, uh, everything will be okay. Um, but I mean, I've seen it when, uh, when money's on the table, um, everybody's real intentions and real interests come out and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. And you just don't know until the money's on the table you know, how right. long they'll be able to be there and back you up. But, uh, right. um, so I know you're working with a lot of folks on that. Now you've, you've certainly, you and I have worked together on, on our business and it's been hugely helpful. What are some of the, the real you. leverage points that you have found in the folks that you're working with as they're trying to make this transition? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, for one, you know, one of the barriers that people talk about, uh, is, um, is this going to apply to my field? You know, is this going to be able to work for me? You know, and people, everyone thinks that they're, you know, specifically in a unique situation. And so, like, how could this, how could I possibly do it? As I mentioned earlier, you know, you think of like a graphic designer or a lawyer, you know, or chiropractor works with his hands, right? I mean, you can't be serving more than one at a time. And it's true. It requires some rethinking. It requires you thinking about what, you know, what else could I offer? And I've got this this great graphic design. If you actually, if you go to smartbusinessrevolution.com slash evolution, you can take a look at it. It's an image that we created. And you think of like the, um, the, uh, you know, um, evolution chart, you know, a man like sideways kind of crawling and, and upward. And at the beginning of it is done for you type of solution, the far end of it. And what's actually happening a lot right now is software as a service. And how many different service professions do we know have been completely raised by software tax preparers, researchers, secretaries, even auction houses by eBay, you know, companies like Google, Apple, Amazon, you know, the, the, all kinds of different companies are coming in and a lot of old fashioned 
not even old fashioned, but but careers that have existed for a long time are being completely replaced. My mother was a travel agent when I grew up. You know, we think of Expedia, Travelocity, those types of things came in and replaced a lot of travel agents. And this is going to continue to happen. And so what I think is valuable for anyone listening to this is think about, okay, when we talk about going from one to one to one to many, there's three different ways you can think about that and you can implement that in your business. One is just straight revenue generation, one-to-many revenue generation. So if you're serving multiple clients at once, you can be, you actually charge less, you can lower, you can beat the market, and yet you can generate more in revenue. So if you're charging $300 an hour for one-to-one, you can charge $100 an hour, and if you get four people, you're making more than you were before, right? And you're leveraged too. If you get four, five, six people, you lose one person, it's not as big a deal as if you lost one when you were doing just the one-to-one. And so doing that one-to-many revenue generation. Second one is revenue is a one-to-many lead generation. So thinking about how to get a lot of leads at once rather than going, as I mentioned earlier, to a networking event, chamber of commerce event, having one-on-one conversations with people, trying to find that needle in a haystack, going and using other tools and technologies that exist today. Like, for example, you wrote a book that's great one-to-many lead generation. It's also revenue generation as well. And then also the third one is one-to-many communication. And a podcast is a perfect example. This is communicating with lots of people. Lots of listeners can be listening at once or a webinar or even a book is even communication. Email list is one of many communication. So think about the different things you're doing in your business and what you're doing now. Is it one to one or is it one to many in each of those different subcategories? And if you start thinking about these things, you'll think, how can I shift some of my efforts? It doesn't have to be 100 percent. How can I shift some of my efforts towards one-to-many communication lead generation and revenue generation so that I diversify in all of those areas. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult problem to to think through, but it's really a worthwhile problem in professional services to try and get to. Um, And uh, you know, I, we see a lot of our clients struggling with it. Um, In fact, the biggest, one of the biggest fears we get from our clients, because where we work with them is on the the lead generation side. We take them typically from one to one to one to many um, with referral. And then the biggest fear is, oh, my gracious, how am I going to deal with all these people? Like, I I don't know what I would do if I had, you know, like they'll get scared with a small number of leads. If I had 20 leads a month, which is we look at that and we go like, man, you want to you want to be at the 50, 100 leads a month because when you're there, you've got choices, but, but a lot of times as a, a service provider that you, it's almost like you feel if you're coming from that one-to-one, um, you know, background and, and kind of that mindset, it's, it's like, I got to make every single one count. So if I can't serve every single one, they're going to be mad at me. They're going to go away. They're never going to come back if I don't do business with them, you know? Um, right. and, uh, and you've got to work people through that. Um, there's that fear of, what am I going to do if I go one to many, you know, how's that going to work? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's true. I mean, that's, uh, you know, a lot of people, they'll go and pursue something that could produce a, a flood of leads, but then their business isn't structured in a way that it can capture that. And I think that, um, that's a good problem to have, right. You know, if they start getting too many leads, but then they do need to start thinking about, okay, you know, what could I do where I could capture these people, these leads and continue to nurture them? I mean, a simple way that you could do that, for example, is you could start a, um, a free Facebook group or a free LinkedIn group 
where you could, you know, all these leads that are coming in, if you can't work with them right then and there, you could put them as part of this community and you can use it to continue nurturing them so that they aren't lost from you forever and so that they can build up more trust for you so that when it does come time for you to work with them or when it does come, come time for them to make a buying decision whether to work with you, they've built up more trust with you. You know, I've been building an email list, I've been blogging, and I've been podcasting for about five, six, seven, depending how long you you you, <laughs> you look at it, five, six, seven years or something like that. And I have some people that have been on my email list for years and years and years, and I get an email out of the blue, and they say, hey, John, I've been on your email list for quite a long time, and um, they're ready, they're they're ready, they're hot, they're able, they're, they've seen what I've been doing, and they're a lot easier to close because that because they've been um, you know following the, my work for a while. So um, yeah, but I mean, you know what you bring up it just goes to show you getting back to the mindset piece that we talked to talked about in the beginning, you know, because rather than shutting down and saying, okay, I don't want any more leads because I can't handle it, I hope that they would think, okay, what kind of changes can I make, even if it makes me a little uncomfortable, to my actual role of my business where I can capture some of those leads and, and maybe start charging a premium dollar for my one-on-one -on -one services and have some other offering, a group offering, a leveraged offering where I can bring some people into my universe and, and work with them. Yeah, well, and the, the advice I, I typically give to people who have that, you know, they express that fear and I think this is for everybody listening. This is important to note. If if you've ever felt like that, the single most difficult thing for anyone in your business is creating a client or a customer. And if you figure out how to do that, and you've got more than you can handle, there are lots of ways to solve that problem that will make you money, right? You know, because you've now figured out how to solve the problem that everybody else around you has. Um, and, uh, there's lots of ways to, to, to figure that out. So I always try and tell them like, don't let that be the thing. Let, let lots of things maybe stop you. Don't let that be the one though. You know, if you're right. gonna let something stop you. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you see people do that. They get completely tapped out. They've got so many people that are, that they're working with. So they're completely have a full plate. And maybe even they hit a point where they can't charge anymore, or they feel like they can't charge anymore. Their market won't pay it. There might be other reasons why the market isn't paying it, like, for example, the trust issue. But, you know, they're charging a certain amount and they've got these clients coming in the door. And that then it really comes time to d think about, OK, what else can I offer? One of the exercises that we take everyone through and you can actually get this on our website. If you go to rise25.com, we have your dream, your current and dream product ladder template helps you to realize untapped revenue in your existing business. And you can do, go download that. And what I encourage every professional services entrepreneur to do is to go through that. And it asks you to fill out, you know, the profile of your, your business, the ideal customer, the big promise that you deliver. Some people can't answer that one very well. The pain that you solve, some people can't answer that one very well. And then fill out your offerings on your product ladder. And if it's your current product ladder and you're like a lot of professional services entrepreneurs, you're going to be like, uh, I just have one thing. It's just working with me. And the critical question that I would ask you is, if someone really, really likes working with you, what else can you offer them to help them with their problem? And if the answer to that question is, uh, they can keep working with me, then you're missing an opportunity. You're missing an opportunity for revenue in your business. You're also missing an opportunity to have a bigger impact and to help them more because they probably need more, you know? 
And so what you need to start thinking about is what could I create on this product ladder so that I have entry level type of stuff where there's a lower barrier to entry where people can start working with me for a lesser buying amount and it doesn't cost them as much. They can get good results and then they can work their way up the ladder to the higher decision. So by the point, by the time they get to the big bag of money, it's an easier decision. It's like, oh yeah, absolutely. I've gotten all these great results from the person. You know, and an example I often give it's just like, think of like Starbucks, right? You, everyone's been into a Starbucks, but imagine going to a Starbucks for the first time. When you go into a Starbucks for the first time ever, you're not gonna go buy a $300 espresso machine off the wall, even though they have them there. But you're gonna buy a $2 cup of coffee. And the next time you might buy a $5 latte. And the time after that, you might buy a $15 bag of beans. And you work your way up the ladder. And that's exactly what smart, fleshed out businesses are doing, is they, they've created these types of ladders so that it moves you into higher escalating areas. Um, and what we try and do is try and get professional services entrepreneurs to think in that same way. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a very worthwhile thinking process. I recommend you go get, um, the, the product ladder template, um, and just go get a cup of coffee, go, go to Starbucks, um, <laughs> and, and <laughs> get a cup of coffee, coffee, you know, <laughs> or, uh, or go get something stronger if you like and sit <laughs> down with that thing and, and kind of map it out and do a little, uh, thinking on paper. It'll be well worth your time. Well, John, I know we're about out of time. Um, I'd really love to know, because um, I learn a lot from this question, probably more than, than the people listening, but uh, what's on top of your reading list right now? What, what are you uh, giving your attention to? Oh, great question. So I just saw the play Hamilton in San Francisco, and um, now I'm reading the book Hamilton by Ron Chernow, which came out in 2004. Um, it's, a, you know, it's an amazing story. The play is phenomenal, won all the Tonys. Um, it'll blow you away. Um, and the story of Alexander Hamilton's phenomenal. And I, I always identify with the upstart and the underdog. And this is someone who was born in a extreme poverty, orphaned at a young age in the Caribbean, um, witnessed brutal slavery and oppression in the Caribbean at the time during the sugar trade, made his way to New York and made something of himself, reinvented himself, uh, incredibly smart and intelligent, and talk about building, the importance of building relationships throughout his career, critical relationships helped him to not just get to New York, but then get educated, eventually meets George Washington, becomes George Washington's right-hand man during the Revolutionary War, and then eventually becomes his treasury secretary, and his fingerprints are felt to this day on our nation, setting up our economic system. And you talk about mindset issues. I mean, he, you know, he was born in a place where being, you know, born out of wedlock and an orphan was really uh, held you back in life. And, and he said, uh-uh, I'm not going to let that hold me back. And he didn't let anything stop him. And I think that, you know, a lot of us today in, in this first world that we live in, uh, even even in, in, you know, in, in countries where they we suffer setbacks, we we create or, or sorry, countries which um, ha don't have the economic uh, opportunities that we do in the United States or in, or in the in the Western world. We create additional barriers in our mind that don't actually exist. And we that holds us back. Um, and so I hope that some of the people listening will think through whether those are true barriers and whether they're really holding them back. Yeah. So, but this is a, this is a pleasure. There really, there really aren't any. 
barriers. Um, and I think that's a good point. Um, and, and great recommendation. It's actually next on my biography reading list. I'm reading a biography of Thomas Jefferson right now. And, uh, I highly recommend that one. If that's the kind of thing you're into, um, fascinating. Um, yeah. So they kind of make fun of him in the play. It's pretty, yeah. Funny. I, yeah. Well, they were ultimately they were sort of enemies, weren't they? Or political enemies. Yeah, they um, didn't get along. They didn't see eye to eye. They kind of had opposite ends of philosophies and the yeah. political spectrum. But the, the this this the refrain, the song that Jefferson sings. So Jefferson apparently, you know, he signs, he drafts the Declaration of Independence. Then he goes off to France for a few years while mm -hmm. the Revolutionary War was fought, and then he comes back after the Revolutionary War, and it's like, hey guys, how's it going? Right. And then he sings the song, and the refrain is, what did I miss? What did I miss? And he's right. you know, talking about like the whole Revolutionary War happened. And it's kind of funny to see Jefferson, who we generally hold up as like the you know, founding father, wonderful person, but they're they're kind of like just making fun of him in the play. So yeah. It's, you know, well, it's interesting because he got sent over there. I just was reading this part of the book. Uh, it's fascinating. So he was like the governor of Virginia right at the beginning of the Revolutionary War. British come into Virginia and beat the, you know, the Virginia militia at a couple of key battles. He has to flee on horseback the capital, go to to, uh, you know, Monticello to his estate um, and get his family out of there and then ride off on horseback. I mean, he's like literally wow. riding with the British right on his tail. Wow. Um, and, uh, and so he perceives himself as this massive failure, um, and just kind of disappears from public life for a couple of years because of some health issues with his wife. And then, uh, and then is asked to go over to France and, uh, it's fascinating to see what they, and the, the, you know, I look at that, I'm 46 this year. He wrote the declaration of independence. I think he was 30. Wow. You know, um, wow. you were doing some amazing things when you were pretty young. I was not doing anything quite that amazing when I was 30. So uh, anyway, well, yeah. hey, thanks for uh, investing some time with me. Today. This has been a lot of fun um, and I've learned a lot. I always learn a lot on these interviews today is certainly no exception. How can folks find you if they want to find out more about what you're doing? Uh, yeah. So smartbusinessrevolution.com and rise25.com are my two homes on the web and uh yeah you can go download the dream product ladder template that we talked about and i i have no doubt that you go and fill that out and that will help you think through um how you can evolve and scale up your business and yeah you can always uh when you download that that'll add you to our email list and we can keep in touch that way awesome hey john thanks for being here today and uh, always great to talk with you my pleasure steve Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.